This is uh, episode four of my personal, I would say, pet project, um, where I interview people who, you know, usually I've known for a while, and um, I want to get their perspective on certain, I guess, questions either that I've been curious about, or if they just lingered, you know, in my brain personally, and and part of this project is also being able to reflect on these answers and questions in the future and see how, you know, we've changed. I know you and I have known each other a very long time, so I know we've definitely changed in many ways since we first met, but I just want to give that backstory. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess if you want to introduce yourself real quick, uh, maybe just uh, one interesting fact about yourself and maybe how we know each other, and then we'll start from there. Uh, yeah, sure. So my name's Lucas. Uh, interesting fact about me is I'm, I'm a doctor, and I met Chris way back in the day uh chris actually you know introduced himself to me first i was kind of just you know paying no attention to my surroundings just chilling in uh algebra one summer school at archbishop media before our actual freshman year started and chris said the like iconic quote of uh all time he like kind of just tapped me you know and uh you know he sat right next to me but he kind of tapped me and was like hey are you a freshman kind of like woke me up out of like my kind of daydreamingness and uh you know i answered him and then i with yes right kind of simple and then boom from there our friendship kind of just like rocketed yeah i mean what's interesting about that story is i remember it pretty well too and i still don't know why i did that i just felt like i feel like because it was like high or getting into high school i was like i think my mentality it's so funny. It's similar to the mentality I had when I left San Jose to go to New Jersey. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm just, I'm going to push myself a little bit out of my comfort zone. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and I think, I feel like that's probably the origin. And I we don't have to get into me so much, but like, I do feel like every now and then I, I have, I put myself into situations where like, I'm putting myself in an uncomfortable situation to see what my personal limit is. Uh, whether that's like, career socially but because you're right like it's it's iconic but also it's like you look back it's kind of doesn't happen right yeah um yeah that's right no one else really kind of did that in the classroom yeah and uh going off what chris said the whole kind of thing break it out of your comfort zone um for being the reason behind that thing the quote kind of did the same thing in santa barbara right i mean like i was in a um unfamiliar kind of place on a new environment right and, like, these two dudes are sitting in the lounge of uh, my dorm. And, they, you know, they turn, out to, they turn out to be Rob, right? You met Rob. Yeah, and, great guy. Uh, yeah, like an, the cool guy. Yeah, definitely cool guy. Um, and I just have to go, like, you know, I have to go make friends or else I'm going to be doing nothing, you know, for my, for my year there and for the rest of my four years there. And uh, I just did what you did, you know? It's just like, hey, you know, who are you guys? <laughs> right? You've got to just go introduce yourself to some new people. You know, and uh, boom, we're good friends from there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad that uh, full circle. Now I didn't know that part of the story. That's cool though. Uh, but yeah, it's funny how like it's the same thing you gotta do with uh, with girls. But we can you know talk about this other day. But anyway, okay. so I'll start off with the first question, um, and then we can talk about any. At the end, I have time for open discussion. So whatever topics you want to discuss, but let's we'll get to the six questions first. Oh shit! Uh, um, six questions, difficult questions. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, first one. Hey, so like, you titled this the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. 
I'm not the smartest guy in the room. That's okay. probably another interesting fact about me. Chris is a lot smarter than I am. Uh, you're the smartest guy in the room. You're a doctor, as you said earlier. Anyway, so... Doesn't... Uh, anyway, so the first question is, what piece of advice would you give to an 18-year-old version of yourself? Buy Bitcoin. Not investment related. Not investing related. Why can't it be investing related? I mean, that's a fair... I'll accept that answer, but I was... I guess, like, what's okay. something that you kind of wish, other than investing, that you would you wish you had known? Like, what would you? Okay, let's let's change it from from yourself. What would you tell uh, if you were advising your college, like college, like your high school advisor to, like a senior? Like, what would you what would you tell them other than buy Bitcoin? Like, okay, what are the three things you would tell them? Then? Let's say Bitcoin is one of them. Okay, okay, okay. Um, let's see. Tell my 18-year-old self how to advise myself at 18 years old. What was going on when I was 18? Uh, college. Probably in college. And, oh, okay. So I'm probably going to tell him if I know what's going to happen to him, right? I'm going to say don't, you know, graduate on academic probation. That was probably something I shouldn't have done because – that, uh, I don't know, I kind of turned that setback around, but it ended up, like, co it costed me a little bit, right? Because, you know, I had a bunch of, like, I, I had a D minor. I got, like, a .7 GPA, right, that last quarter. And uh, what happened? I mean, the girlfriend ended up dumping me. Um, my mom ended up, you know, kind of charging me for that quarter that I totally blew up and I didn't know what the hell to do with my life you know I was kind of just like working at Walgreens trying to find another job and I could have avoided all that kind of you know bullshit if I just didn't graduate on probation so I'm gonna tell them that one focus on you know doing a good job in school uh, instead of like you know, choosing the party instead of, you know, reading uh, or finishing strong, you know, instead of just finishing the year strong. Uh, let's see. What else? I would probably say travel more, too. And the thing that, you know, that you did, you know, like, don't be afraid of, you know, exposing yourself to more, you know, new activities. Like, break out of the comfort zone type thing. How's that? Um, Decent? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, a couple follow-ups. One on the break out of your comfort zone. I think... It's easy to be hard on yourself in hindsight, but it's always hard in the moment. That's something that I've realized. Like, there's things that, like, I wish I had done maybe differently or I'd gambled on more when I was younger, but, you know, I just take it as lessons to move forward with. Um, that's interesting on the, the travel more. Um, do you feel like you just haven't done enough of that? And I guess why? Like, I'm curious, like, is there places you want to see other than... I know you had a great time in Brazil, but, like, did that, did that was that, like, a catalyst to open your eyes to, like, oh, you kind of wish you did a little more of that, or... Yeah, that was a huge catalyst, bro. Huge catalyst. Plus, like, just one, how fun it was traveling with all your bros, right? Um, 
and just being around like different people. You know, we met uh, Jay, right? Jay was cool. Uh, the the cool tour guy, guy yeah. Yeah, Jay was one of the cool guys. The tour guys were pretty cool. Other than, I would say, you know, Big Pedro. All the other ones were pretty cool. Like Mariana was cool. Other Pedro was cool. Um, Gee was kind of cool, but you know, he kind of didn't send us the pictures, so that was kind of stupid. But I'm still he was like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we jumped off a cliff. Would have been awesome to put on Instagram, and like that's not—I don't have that. Yeah, the guy's kind of a dick, but he was a nice tour guide, you know. He was, yeah. I guess the lesson there is bring your own GoPro. Yeah, that should have been. Didn't one of the guys bring one too? One of the guys we were with. Yeah, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I'm not. I mean, you guys might. You might be in contact with him because he's like apparently a was it like a network effect to your fraternity? But like, I don't have his info. Oh, okay. So we can get it from him, right? That's just yeah, actually, what I'm saying. There's another option. Yeah. yeah, if you know, if you have this, like, info, you're able to track that down, That that's a possibility. All right, so we got off topic. Continue, though. Okay, okay, yeah. So, yeah, Brazil kind of opened my eyes. Traveling with the bros was real fun. We went to the fucking Bada de Shizuka, dude. The whole, like, hike. That was pretty dope, even though, you know, Christian kind of, like, took a long time to get up. But it was fun, dude. That was just really fun, man. You got exposed to different people and, like, different ways of life. And it was just... And it like, made you forget about, like, all the grind that was going on at home, right? So it was, it was so nice. I really liked it. Yeah, I think on that point, why well, I've always liked to travel, well, even though I, I stopped in college because of, well, no money, but also other reasons, um, I think, like, yeah, to your point, it's like you kind of, when you travel, whether that's within the country or out, like out, the, out of the country, it's like you realize that there are people that are like, you know, dealing with their own things too and trying to make it too. Mm-hmm. Like when you're like always like home, right? You're just focused on yourself and your network. But like when you travel and you just, like you said, meet especially different people across the world, like you see that like, even though we have different languages and cultures, like there's a common, like you're able to still connect, right? Okay, the language barrier can be tricky, but like, like you said, with our tour guys, like, their life stories were like very unique and interesting and like even the people we met on the tours too like um the ukrainian woman and like um the other ones like it's just you don't you don't realize like just you know there's just so many there's so many storylines out there right and yet you know we are we ourselves are so used to like i always say this to people that like you know we always act like we're the hero of our own story which makes sense because we are our, ourselves but yeah but everybody thinks that way right and that's what's interesting yeah Got it. Yeah, it's interesting. Plus, I uh, like the good views and shit. Brazil's pretty pretty, dude. Brazil's a nice place. So if I could see more places that look just like that, that'd be cool. Instead of just like the normal kind of stuff I see every day, I think that'd be pretty nice. Yeah. Well, I hope you do continue to travel. So, um, but yeah, now on to uh, question number two. Uh, all right. So you're one of the few people that I know who got a, a PhD, um, hence okay. a doctor in the beginning. I'm okay. curious about like, uh, what was the biggest surprise about that journey? And what was the biggest challenge of that journey? So like when, going in, so to clarify the part one of the question going in, like, I know you, like you said, you learned your hard lesson with the, I remember that actually academic provision. That was a rough time for you, but, yeah. uh, but like, you know, you had a, you really had expectations what it, you know, what it would be like. But like, what what surprised you of that going through that journey, and like, what was the biggest challenge oh, during shit. those years? Yeah. So, well, alone, 
like this financial kind of aspect is kind of shitty, right? Especially at the school that I went to, they pay you a lot less than, uh, you know, other research-based programs that are comparative. That was one kind of struggle, but we'll just leave, leave that, you know, alone other than, yeah, I feel like you're trying to focus on other things, you know, trying to like intangible things that it's not like money related. So going into the whole well, for, for, process, for, for, this, right? for this one, actually, the money is fair. Like you did it like if you didn't know, like you're going to get paid that underpaid. Like, I think that's a fair surprise to elaborate on. Okay. So, yeah, I guess like the, the program I was in, you have to TA, right, every year in order to get paid. And the pay that they give you to, to start with, right, when I first started was like 14 Gs, like a year, right? Dude, that's terrible. That's fucking terrible trying to live out here in San Diego, right? And San Diego's a, like, what, top five most expensive cities? Um, and you're getting paid dog shit. So they gradually increased that up to like 20, 20 Gs. I think my last year, like starting salary, maybe 25. I think we, we maybe got 25. Um, still, it's really difficult to try and live out here on, on 25K. If you're, if you're doing it like on, on your own and you don't have like a roommate, um, it's going to be hard, especially if you have kids, right? Some of these people on the program have children. Uh, it's going to be really, really hard, bro. So I'll, that's one factor that really complicates it. Another thing going in is like when I was applying to a PhD program or just a graduate school program. Like I thought that you had to have, you know, like significant research experience going into it or like a bunch of publications or stuff like that going into a PhD program. Um, but that's not really the, the case. You know, a lot of people get publications while they're in the PhD program. They rarely start with one and they, you know, just start with, you know, basic work experience. And I had had an internship at NASA, or two, honestly, uh, before, you know, I started graduate school. So I think that would have been sufficient to apply to, you know, what could be considered a better school than SDSU. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, I definitely, you know, wouldn't trade my experience for anything, but I'm just saying, like there's this thing called like the imposter syndrome. So just, just don't like sell yourself short, I guess is what I'm saying. Just imagine, I just don't put other people up on this like proverbial pedestal because they're, they're probably not any better than what you are, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, at the start of a, at the start of a, like a PhD pro a process, you know, maybe they get a little bit better, you know, throughout the process, but at the start, they're probably not, you know, at the, the tip top um another challenge is you know when when the science doesn't actually you know work out right what are you going to do you got to have like a good a good mentor or a good uh pi that's actually going to one either you know guide you through you know making your project work right or two you know, shifting you to another project that has more success. Okay, so there are there are PIs out there that are at, at SDSU for one. You know, a lot of other schools are really more competitive. But for SDSU, like individually, there's some PIs that don't, you know, try very hard. 
and by that I mean they're not like actively seeking like new sources of funding. And that is a huge problem because then their lab won't, you know, be able to buy, you know, reagents, then they won't attract, you know, new students and their labs eventually gonna, you know, die out. And a lot of schools have you know, they don't put up with that kind of shit, you know, because they're just not going to have, like, this tenure, right, anymore. They're not going to just, like, give you, you know, a salary that'll let you live here comfortably and you won't have to do anything else, right? So schools like UCSD, I think, are now, like, giving new professors at least, like, maybe, like, 25 Gs or something, you know, guaranteed, like, a lower salary guaranteed. And all their other, you know, salary has to come from, you know, like grants and shit like that. So it makes it more competitive, right? So you have to make sure you pick a good PI, right? That's going to, you know, constantly get money for the lab. That two will constantly, you know, um, help you through the process, right? One by, you know, either changing your project or helping you through the science, or at least directing you where you can find answers, right? Not necessarily giving you the answers, but like directing you where you can find answers. Um, three, you want to make sure you pick a lab where the graduate students, like the other students in the lab, you get along with. Uh, that's a huge deal because a lot of, you know, there's horror stories about graduate school where, ah, oh, I had this terrible uh, lab mate that stole all my experiments or they, you know, ruined my experiment as I was going out and I had to you know, wait another year while the mice grew and blah, blah, blah. And luckily I didn't, you know, do any experiments with, with mice. So a lot of my, and even if I had that problem, you know, the turnaround time would be quick. Um, but pick a lab where you get along with the, the other students there. Okay. Um, what was the second part of the question? No, no, that's, uh, that's, that's more than enough. Um, I guess like it's 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 gonna lead to my follow up. My follow up is like because the first part was like the surprise of factors and like what lessons you would have done in retrospect, which I think you more than answered actually pretty pretty detailed. Um, uh, that would have helped you probably in your journey. But so you know the follow up is like okay like you I mean to your credit you did complete it and you got it done, which you know doesn't always the case um, with many people, and you've probably seen this firsthand yourself. But during that that journey like. I guess, what was the biggest challenge in that getting it done? Um, you know, what, like you said, maybe you maybe you hinted it earlier with the the you know the PI or the research. And then my follow up to that even is, um, was there ever any doubt? Did you ever have any doubt that you would actually get it done? Was there ever like that low point or that moment of like, am I really going to finish? I'm trying to think. If there was ever not, dude, I was pretty convinced from the start that I was going to finish this thing, regardless of how long it took, regardless of whatever, any kind of obstacle that came up, I felt like I would just find a way to power through it. And I didn't feel like I was ever going to quit this until it was done. So I guess I guess what was the hardest part then? Was it the research aspect? Was it the the thesis stuff? Like the thesis stuff. Um, what was the hardest part? Shit. Um, 
Or it could just be like something more abstract, like it was staying focused, you know? Maybe well, that was the hardest part, you know? Okay. Uh, I guess, yeah, staying focused is, is hard. But the hardest part for me is more, I guess, more individualized because I, I particularly wanted to work on a project uh, that was involving polymerases and in, in cancer. Um, but that project was more like a high risk, high reward type thing. And the PI didn't really have any funding for that particular project at the time. And I don't, and it was kind of like, I feel like it was kind of like a, a, uh, tricky financial situation at the time that I really was pushing her to leave me on this project. Um, and she was shifting me more to a project involving IDH1 um, because that had had more you know, success in the lab, meaning that it had generated more papers and had gotten more funding to start with and you know, seemed like it have a more promising future, right? So she was able to get, you know, another grant, you know, that supported that project uh, after she moved me to it, right? And after I completed the, uh, I guess I got my paper from the IDH, IDH work, she kind of had you know, a little bit of money to shift over to the polymerase project. And, you know, this was all during COVID too. So the labs were all kind of, the school was shut down at least, but I was able to go in the lab. So I was working on the polymerase project with like money that was shuttled from one, like one project it was supposed to be for, but, you know, moved to another one. Right. So the difficult, the, I guess the difficult part was like, I guess, temporarily giving up on something that I had, I felt like I had put a lot of effort into. Uh, I felt like the lab itself had put, you know, time, money and effort into this particular project. And it was also something that I was generally interested in for sure compared to what I got moved to. So that, that was difficult hearing like the no, like multiple times was hard to deal with. Yeah, I guess, like, I, I mean, through you and, and some other people, I've, I learned a mo- little bit more about that academia world, but it is kind of, it's still, like, more political than people realize, right? And there's much mm-hmm. more nuance and reading situations and making sure in the right spots, uh, much like in the corporate world, right? So that's something that's very, uh, there's some overlap. And maybe that's just a human thing, right? We tend to do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's good actually. So honestly, like I think to me for that second question, which I suspected that was the answer, but I wanted to hear it. Like, you know, that you didn't like, you always knew you were going to finish, and um, you know, I don't think that could be said for, and, and not just in PhD. I think in like any, let's say, craft, right? Whether that's college football player, uh, data scientist, et cetera, et cetera. I think there are people who have that kind of, like, will to, like, know, like, no matter what it takes, no matter what the cost is, I'll get it done. Um, and I think there is a that's, a, that's a rare strength you find in certain people. I don't think, you're, not everybody has that. Um, yeah, but, going off that, too, I want to yeah. add, you want to make sure you have a good support system, too. Because if you kind of go in there alone, like, it takes a lot of, like, grit and determination, like, naturally, 
right? If that person has, you know, no support system, right? Like if you, if you feel down and you don't have a good PI or you don't have, you know, friends in the lab that'll help you get you through that kind of lull, right? Or that funk, then you kind of have to pull your own self out every single time. And that's, uh, you know, draining, right? So it's good to have, I guess, a, a, you know, supportive people around you, either through your family or, you know, students uh, or a friend like Chris. Yeah. So I think that that definitely helps. But like Chris said, going in, I knew I should have finished. And you can even ask like Isaac. Isaac's a new student in the lab that took over my project. Uh, I tell him all the time, like, I, I dude, I took the, the subject GRE right before even going to school because I knew I was going to, you know, apply to the PhD program. And I wanted to have like everything, you know, that I could, that I needed to apply to that program, like already completed. And I, you know, took it, studied, already got like a score above, you know, the 75th percentile or whatever to get into the, that was making me competitive to get into the program. And when I got there, I had to take like these chemistry kind of placement tests, right. To let you know, let the, I guess, UCSD know you were, you know, qualified, right. These are qualifying exams. So I took, you know, the three, you had to like pass three of them. Right. And I took, of course, biochem, organic chemistry, and I took inorganic chemistry and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just pass all these three instantly and then pass them all instantly. And um, was automatically cla- like classified. So I was like, I, I just, you know, whatever came up, whatever I needed to do, I was just going to take it, take the test, pass it, regardless of whatever obstacle came in. Gotcha. And I don't want to sound yeah. like a, I don't want right. to sound like a cocky douche. You know, I'm just not trying to sound like a cocky douche. I'm just saying, like I knew what I wanted and I understood what I needed to do in order to get that. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I mean, I know you. So like, I, I wouldn't say you're a cocky douche. I think there's a fine line between arrogance and, and self-belief and confidence. And to me, my opinion is that this fine line is arrogance. Like if you were truly cocky or arrogant, you would feel entitled to, oh, I deserve, I, I always knew I deserved this PhD. But I think through your answers, it's very clear that like you grinded and worked and, and push yourself at certain points psychologically to get over the whatever humps you had. And I don't mm-hmm. think that comes across as, cocky i think that comes across as a as a trait that i think there's many people who probably wish they had that trait actually um and uh, and i and i run around i come across people like that all the time now in new york that they have this like, i think everybody's self-conscious to a degree you know mm-hmm. including myself and you know and they, we all have our insecurities but there are certain things that i think like what you just described in this second question that i think a lot of people kind of wish they had um they kind of wish they had this will to just, you know, when you hit that, because honestly, sometimes it's mostly psychological more than any skill, right? Like you just have to like somehow get there mentally. And that's, that's tough. Right. And yeah. I'm not saying like everybody needs to do that, but I think, I think you'll be surprised how many people would, would admire that kind of answer. And, and also like that kind of ability. I don't think it grows on trees to be honest with you. Um, so, gotcha. uh, and it, yeah, so like I think we've covered more than enough on question two. Uh, so question three is interesting too because it's kind of it's a similar vein. Like you're one of the few fraternity members I know, so I'm curious. Like being part of that community for so long, what's been one positive imp- uh, impact on your life that that community has had on you, having that kind of brotherhood? 
And maybe on the flip side, what's been maybe one negative that you look back and realize that, yeah, maybe this wasn't the best environment or influences? Um, Got you. So I think that one of the best things that the fraternity does is other than like instilling a sense of brotherhood in you, right? And you have to, you know, around a bunch of guys and they all have a bond with you and they all want to, you know, help you do better. Um, the thing that I think it does the most is that, or at least the one I joined, is that it instills like a sense of like confidence in you, or you know, it grows that confidence that you already have because it makes you feel like you did something. There's a process before joining any fraternity, right? And you know, some some might be more difficult than than others, but getting through that process, you know, you you did something difficult. So like it's it's a feeling of like accomplishment, like yeah. I just did something difficult and uh, it's, I don't know. It just feels really good. So like, it makes you feel like, you know, your balls grew a lot, you know, by accomplishing that certain task. Um, and then I would say, you know, the connections that it kind of brings, um, you know, one with all the dudes, but it kind of surrounds you with a lot of other groups in the university that you're in. So whether that be like sororities or, you know, other clubs or, or other things like that. So it kind of just, you know, puts you around a lot of different people and, you know, lets you talk to all these different people and make new connections, new social network. It just grows, grows your network pretty much. Um, and then something you should watch out for, you should definitely not let the connections, um, you should be wary, you know, what connections you're forming and like make sure that you're not going down you know, code of like a, a self-destructive path, right? Because I mentioned that I graduated on academic probation, right? And uh, there's a lot of, you know, temptation when you join a fraternity, right? So you're going to be obviously partying, you know, quite a bit, you know? Um, and with you know, a lot of sororities, so you'll be surrounded by a lot of girls. And, you know... <laughs> you can always see where I'm going with this, right? So you you are going, you just want to make sure that you, you know, focus on what's really important, what's really going to matter in the long term, pretty much. Yeah, I, I know where you're going with this. It's like an age-old lesson, right? Like, yeah, it's good to have fun, to grow your, you know, your ability socially, right? That's It's a skill that we don't talk about, I think, as, as a society or as a man, right? The ability to just be you know social be have inner true inner confidence right not not mm -hmm. some validation from others and like you said that's probably the perks of the brotherhood and the fraternity but you can lose sight of the bigger picture right like you're not just going to you're not going to school and trying to do stuff just because you want to be like you know like you said dropping out or not having a uh, you know maybe not managing your money except or whatever the you know your the issues are for whatever person that's joining your fraternity like, you, like i said you can lose you Drop your eye off the ball, as they would say, right? Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, especially young men, like, it's hard to do that, I will say. It's always easy in hindsight, but in the moment, it's always difficult, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're surrounded by a bunch of hoes. You can edit that out, right? Uh, yeah, but I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're trying to keep it PC as much as possible. I forgot to mention that in the beginning, but uh, the... Uh, yeah, it's uh, no, I think 
because I never did. Like, my dad was in a fraternity. Um, you know, he described similar things, even though I don't think he's in touch with uh, any of his brothers anymore. But, um, but because of, like, you know, like, I just, I never felt I needed that. But, uh, you know, I've never really criticized people for joining. It's just, like, I think it's, like, but like you said, I, that's an interesting ask, uh, point about, like, going through that process of joining and forming those relationships that helps you, like you said, build your confidence. Cause you had, like you said, do something which was not guaranteed, right? Like in life, we all, it's natural, right? Path of least resistance, right? Like we want these guarantees in life when really nothing's ever guaranteed. Right. Mm-hmm. And most things are earned, even though I think people have a hard time with that. Um, and I think, uh, I think people, you know, that's just a natural human inclination to do that. Anyway, hey, so yeah, you went to our house too. You've been to our house, right? Fraternity yeah. house. You were there. Yeah. What did you yeah. think of it? I mean, you can give me, your like, perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, to me, other than messing up with the door story, that's still one of my funny stories I like to share when I didn't let the group of girls in because, like, I was being really cautious because I wanted to respect. Like, I'm not a d bag. I'm not trying to like, oh, act like I'm a frat member, right? I'm I'm a guest, and so I didn't want to just let anybody in. And and Rob looking at me like I'm a or I forgot who it was. I think it was Rob looking at me like I'm an idiot, like. If it's guys ask, but if it's girls, just don't even do it. Like, just open the door. I was like, okay, that does make sense in hindsight. But I was, but I would say, like, as an outsider looking in, yeah, I mean, I just felt like it was, um, it was just a more structured, it was a more structured environment. And I know I say that like loosely because it's not that structured, but it's more structured right. environment than like the kind of like, um, it just reminded me in some ways what you would get out of a sports, like you know, you did soccer or football or whatever, a sports team, or even like, um, let's say you're on a a really intense work project, the bonds you would form in that, right? Like, yeah. it's kind of like a bonding mechanism where even though here, like, the outcome is, like, you know, partying and girls and stuff like that, you can gain a similar, like, bond with people through, like, a tough project, through a, you know, a sports team or just, like, you know, um, a friend group that's really tight, right? Let's say you just try restaurants all the time. It's like, it gives you that social consistency that I think people, when they leave school, it's hard, right? Like, People switch jobs, people move. So, like, you lose actually what you had once when you're growing up, right? That consistent classroom environment where you see people regularly and able to form bonds, you know? Uh, yeah. That's like maybe leads to a wider discussion of like, if that is that one of the reasons why we've lost like those like community bonds is because people are like very like isolated now, you know? Um, but yeah, I would say that's one aspect I did pick up on. I think for me, it was also. Um, I guess it's also California too. So like how, like, even though I was a guest, how chill everybody was, was with me. There were, there was no, like, this guy's an outsider. He's not one of us. I thought that was really cool, but I don't know if that's just because of your fraternity specifically, or because it's also in California, which we are laid back people in general. Right. Uh, I get yeah. that a lot, even myself, <laughs> like I'm so Californian and I don't know what that means half the time. But, um, but I think that that was, uh, um, but also like, Santa interesting. In, in, insane, interesting. you know, with, with the, with the partying and all the other girls. So and stuff, what but. you're telling me is that New York isn't very accepting. It is accepting, but it's like, you have Sweet. to have like thick skin in the sense of like, you can't take things personal. So like people are really busy here. So here's a perfect example. Okay. I, I, be, I befriended last year, a comedian, a aspiring comedian, really cool guy. I loved our long discussions, Okay. but he ended up getting busy with like doing his comedy, his job. And, um, and I, he, his ex came back in his life. And because of, like, that, those things, and he, he only knew me, like, you know, that month. Like, he didn't, you know, he just, you know, we just disconnected, right? 
And I think like, and it's not like the guy, I, I don't have, a, I harbor no ill will, but it's more like that was a lesson for me to realize that, okay, like I'm so far down the priority list, uh-huh. um, you know, that like, it's just natural. Um, you know, I would have enjoyed continuing to be his friend because like it was really good combos, but yeah. that was like a lesson I took away that like, you just can't take things personally. Just like, you know, people will be friendly to you in person and like, they'll be nice and you'll do stuff together. Then like, um, you know, you'll just be, um, you know, just out, out of the group or out of like, they just, they won't hit you up anymore. Another good example like, of this is like my coworker. Like you just get ghosted. Like, it's just ghosted. Yeah, ghosted. Yeah, basically it's the modern ghosting, right? My, my coworker, um, he invited me to his, uh, his farewell party for, um, when he, well, when he thought he was working remote for six months. And uh, that's another story. But the, to answer your question, like, is another good example of like, he invited me out to, um, uh, you know, another party because I, I mentioned that some of his friend, female friends are kind of like, you know, maybe they're dateable. Okay. And then I, you know, I realized that maybe the first time I was a bit too drunk because the second time I was like not overly impressed. <laughs> and so I told him okay. that. And like, um, he's never invited me again to, to hang out with uh, his, his group of friends. Because um, I think he probably told, my guess is he probably told some of the girls that like, oh, I was somewhat interested and see if we vibe. And like I said, I told him like not really afterwards, and I haven't been invited since. So I don't take it personally because I still see the guy at work, and I still uh, I still have a beer with him here and there. But again, like you know, like to your point, like you're more like let's say you're more self conscious and more like let's say in your head too much, like you would take it really personal, right? Like oh, dude, this guy just thought like you know I you know he just shut me out and like whatever. But I I understand why because like, it just would have been awkward because he probably told him that like I wasn't that impressed and. Uh, they probably wouldn't like that. And that's his friend group. So, like, it's kind of like that. Like, I would say, like, no, people have been really friendly. But it's been, like, like, it's, it's like, it's it's hit or miss with, like, if, it's, if you're going to be, like, really staying in touch versus just, uh, like you said, ghosted or falling off. And I okay. think the lesson I, I took from that was kind of, like, you just can't take things personally like that. Because it's true. Like, if it's true, and that's the problem with, like, online, you know, only online messaging is that, you tend to just think like, oh, this person, I know they're on their phone. I know they saw the message and they just ignored me. But maybe yeah. they're just not all that interested in even being your friend. Forget the dating scene, even being your friend. And and I think that's been a lesson for me not to take things personally. Because like in person, when I, because I usually have an intuition on who's a really like a D-bag or not. Um, and in person, it's just, you know, normal, chill people. It's just that like, it's not going to be. It, it, it's. I think what we underestimate is that the form. What happened? You healthy, cut out. Healthy bonds. Oh, did I cut out? I'm probably the internet. Okay. Um, but anyways, real quick. Uh, the form healthy bonds. Uh, like it takes time. Like I, I think we sometimes we think it's instant, but it takes time. But um, but yeah, that's the, like long-winded explanation to your question. Um, hey, so was Christian a D-bag or what? Was your intuition? No, Christian saying, is really cool. I, my, okay. my, my, my my intuition is that he's actually a really cool dude. That um that I think has some growing to do in the, I think how he views like healthy uh, female companionship. But honestly, he's not a, he's a, the fact that like, like he's so passionate about music and like his, you know, even the, um, like his other hobbies, it, it showed me that he's not just a guy that's just like, you know, just trying to like, you know, party and like, you know, use people and stuff. I think, I think everybody has their own like quirks and personalities, but I think he was very like open about that. And like, you know, he, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he was, trust me, like, in general, like, everybody's got their, I, I think, like, I think we overgeneralize. I think everybody has their D-bag in them, but it's uh-huh. like, 
sometimes it doesn't get exposed around certain people because you just gel, like you're just able to fit, right? But like maybe yeah. it gets exposed over time or, um, you know, you're in a situation where that comes out. Because I know that I've come across to people like arrogant, uh, cocky, and that's just like maybe that was just the conversation or that's just how it flowed. But yeah. mean, everybody who knows me knows that like I'm just not – I'm not arrogant. I'm just like – Okay, maybe I'm yeah. arrogant. But, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I wouldn't say that. What's interesting is I listen to Yuri's Yuri's podcast, right? And Yuri, for one, sounds a lot more mature than how he sounded in high school, right? Remember, remember yeah. the picture that we put around of like him <laughs> yeah, with the Mustang? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like did a, did a complete one eighty from from how he was with that. So the thing I wanted to highlight was that you're talking. Your manager said something about hustle culture or something, right? Yeah, a while back, yeah. What the fuck is that about? Like, you work at a startup. Like, everyone should be trying to make that, like, the greatest thing ever, that's, right? That's my that's my philosophy, but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's that's a whole separate conversation, but the real quick on the, the Yuri podcast is that, yeah, like, I think there's still, I think there are still aspects of people who were, like, even at that high school level, they still have. Maybe it's just more refined now, because I still think, like, <laughs> he is very, at times, arrogant and, and confident but i think he's backed it up with his his life so far right and and like you can't it's kind of like he's actually put his money where his mouth is right and and like other people who are just because i mean people who are confident and arrogant i go like how, how are you confident and arrogant like there's there's nothing about you in my mind I'm not telling this to the face but uh-huh. and i think his his life stories that he's able to back it up to a degree yeah, you might say he's not like you know super philosophical, or he's not—he doesn't really know like you, like you, like he's the chemistry or really you know like he has like a, let's say really specialized intellectual knowledge. But <laughs> he sounded completely different than than yeah. how I remember him. Yeah, it's it's because people do evolve. I my my theory is that like when you're young, you're kind of like this like clay that's rough, yeah. and then as you gain life experience, good and bad, you become more refined. Like that's the, like because I because I, I look at like. Even, like, Facebook, unfortunately, reminds me of the stuff I used to post. <laughs> I realized I'm, like, thinking, like, man, goodness. Like, I really just posted weird stuff sometimes. Um, and I think a lot of people are like that. But I think who you are at your core, your foundations, unless, like, a lot of, like, you've done a lot of, let's say, therapy or, like, really big events happened in your life, they tend to stay the same or they tend to only shift a little bit. But I think mm-hmm. everything else on the periphery gets refined. Because, look, talking to you over the years, we definitely have different conversations that we did in, like, when we were 15, 16, even 20, 22. And, right. and I think, but even though, like, but, like, our how we vibe and also, like, how we view problems is very similar, probably why we're friends. And mm-hmm. so I think that has not changed. But, like, maybe what we talk about, how we, how we articulate things has. And, and I think that's, like you said, like, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this project is because when I had this realization during, like, you know, covid you know you had a lot of time to think during covid i think everybody did yep. i realized yep. that like i wish i'd been documenting this the whole time the last like let's say 10 years because like when we come back maybe a few years two to three and we listen to this and we see how things have changed in our lives we're gonna probably be able to have a actual evidence of like what has shifted what has changed you know do we feel differently about our answers etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, right and i think to your point yeah like i think because we I think for you, it's definitely more like apparent because you don't talk to him that much. But for me, like it's hard. It's hard to notice the changes when like you're always having some kind of interaction. So like, let's say I talk to somebody that like barely talked to in college, and I had a certain perspective of them. Then you're out have probably the same thinking you do. But 
you know, when you when you're and this is why I'm doing the project to myself so I can compare. But when you deal with people pretty consistently, like relatively consistently, and not like I see the guy a lot, um, you get a sense of like who they are, and like you just. You know, you just you don't think about the evolution. It's just like when you lose a pound, you don't think about that until you you see that you lost thirty pounds over you know two years. You know, that's um, true. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I'm doing this project. But yeah, it's um. But yeah, I would say to his credit, he's definitely more refined in some ways, in many ways. And I think it's just that you know he just like everybody else, like you just grow up and you have life experiences. And I mean, to to his uh, his own life story, like he also had goals he wanted. And mm-hmm. he wasn't going to just like compromise on them. I think again, like it's an interesting attribute. It's a different attribute because I don't think he could have done a PhD. Um, but I think in his own way, he, he has like, like there's there, it can't be a coincidence that like that company keeps sending him to do deals all over the world if he wasn't right. a high performer, right? So yeah, exactly. Cool. So we got a few more, and then we have open discussion. This is okay. going to be the longest one because you always ask good questions. <laughs> So, uh, number four is uh, no need to go into any specific details or names, but okay. what are some of the lessons you took away um, with those experiences with your ex-girlfriends, and how does that shape how you would view your next relationship? Oh, uh, dude. I feel like I shouldn't answer that. Any particular reason why? Yeah, okay, let me tell you why. Because I'm just afraid, bro, that they might actually read this or hear this. And then they're like, nah, Lucas is like slandering me, blah, blah, blah. So if this is like completely private, then yeah, I can I can definitely answer you. But I just need to know about the like doctor-patient confidentiality first. Yeah, I would say this, like, I mean... This it sounds like a trap, clo- dude. It just this sounds like a, very, a trap. This is a very closed podcast. I don't expect anybody to ever listen to this, but in theory, if you have a call-in app and you're able to follow me, you could listen to this episode. That's a low probability. Maybe to make it easier, um, maybe remove remove your opinions of <laughs> the partner and maybe focus on yourself. What would you have done differently? Like, like, for I example, instead of, okay. so, just to finish to help you out, it instead sounds, of focusing on, like, what they did, to be like, I wish I had been clear. I wish I had recognized earlier that, like, this wasn't going to work out. Or I wish I had, you know, maybe not have fallen to the, you know, the, the sex was great. I should have just not ignored that and focused on, like, my head a little bit more. Like, I, you can just focus on you versus, you know, talking about them. Like, you know, you can't control them. So what could you have controlled better? Communicating, Definitely. Dude, I'm not like the greatest communicator, and then like you gotta have there's levels to communication. So I mean, I'm when you're communicating with like a dude or you know another another guy friend, it's it's different. You don't put as much like emotion and stuff into the words that you're saying, right? And you kind of just like get to the point, and you can be more you know aggressive with what you're saying. Um, I feel like with like a a girl just doesn't. It just doesn't land. It doesn't translate the same way if you're not, you know, talking to her more, for one, giving her more attention, and, like, putting more emotion or, like, more effort into... Okay, here's something I would do differently, for sure. If I was in the relationship again with, you know, the the women I've been with in the past, I would... 
I would definitely put more effort into like planning dates or, you know, planning a trip or things like that. They, they like to see effort, right? Definitely want to see effort and you trying to like connect with them, you know, like let's, let's, let's say for example, I won't name any names, but one of them wanted to play like board games all the time, right? Not all the time, but wanted to make a tradition of playing board games, right? What's wrong with fucking playing a board game, bro? I mean, like at the time, right? I was like, this seems stupid. Like, why do why do I, I want to play I Scrabble, well, I bro? Like, I was like, I don't, I don't see you enjoying that. Like, I see you like maybe making effort. Maybe okay, go ahead, finish your story. But I, I just, I know you, so like, I'm thinking like, I can't see you playing board games every week. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, that's <laughs> but what go I'm ahead. Saying. This is what I'm saying, right? Like, why, why do I want to play Scrabble, bro? Like, I don't, you know, you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta compromise, dude. You gotta find some sort of middle ground and really a board game is not going to kill you. It's going to be like what an hour or two on a Saturday, you playing clue with your girlfriend. It's, it's really, it's really not a big deal in like hindsight, but at the time, right. You already know I would have been like, I'm not going to waste my time fucking playing this game, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, or, or you know, find maybe you 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 uh, create. Um, I would I don't know another word, but a, a tradition of going to try different restaurants. So, okay, San Diego has like downtown Little Italy, right? You go try a new a new restaurant in that kind of area. You know, or you you got to like you got to one. You have your own interests and hobbies, right? Two, the girl has her own interests and hobbies. So you've got to find out what her interests and hobbies are and you've got to try to like meet them dude you've got you got to put you've got to try just to, to meet them you know to some degree right and in my case right why i think my relationships failed is i just wasn't meeting you know her um in any sense of the word any sense of the phrase so i think that you know, one of them liked, you know, going out and, you know, being social and, you know, one, traveling. But at the time, traveling was so hard for me because I was in school. But traveling and, uh, you know, going to visit family members, going to visit friends, you know, things like that. And I feel like I would fight her every single time she wanted to do that or you know, suggest one of those things, even something simple like a board game, right? Um, and, you know, if I'm looking back, you, you really just can't, if you really want to make things work with this person, you have to put effort into, like, making things work with the person. So that means doing things that they like doing, right? And... I feel like she would put an effort to try and do things that I wanted to do too. Like she would give me some degree of space, right. To let me go to school and, uh, you know, focus on what I needed to do there for as long as I needed to. And then, you know, come back and, uh, but then, but then, you know, maybe I'd be too tired or too stressed out from the lab to actually do anything that she wanted to do. Right. Or something like that. And, 
maybe I needed more alone time. I don't know, dude. Like you just, I just feel like if I was trying to do things better, I would, you know, just put more effort into doing things that she liked to do. And I wouldn't, the, the, not trying to sound like a simp or anything like that, you know, like compromising who I actually am, but it's more like, damn, I value this person and I actually want to, you know, be interested in what they're interested in, you know, um, like me and you, right? Like our, our friendship, you know, we talk about, you know, stocks, we talk about, uh, you talk about F1 with me, right? I, I don't really know anything about F1, right? But I'll ask you questions about that new F1 series on Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's the same kind of thing, you know, like you have to try and, you know, be, be interested in what the other person is, is doing. And, uh, I think that's, I think that's what was a key, a key factor in what, you know, caused my relationships to fail. One, you know, the one was like really weird. That was, I feel like it was really, really weird, but, um, the attention kind of thing was just not something I'm going to do in, in the moment, but you you just gotta, you just gotta think, man, like, is, is what we're going through, is what we're going to have in the future, like, important enough to me to sacrifice in the short term? Yeah. And that's I really it. That. Yeah, I think to your point about, like, uh, that last what you said about their interests and stuff, it's kind of like the same way we have like our own friends, right? Like you're not friends with everybody because you just sometimes, again, you don't have the same interests. Or, but I think it is find that fine line though, right? Like maybe, like you said, like the Scrabble wasn't a big deal. But like let's say, like I know I have a buddy that he's pretty hitting it hard on the apps right now. And, and I asked him like, what is he looking for? And he's not like me. Picking. He's not what? Can you hear me still? Uh, you cut out. So I said, "What he's looking for? What? He's, yeah, yeah, what? yeah." Um, I had a deny a phone call, but uh, I it's um he's looking for uh like his his is like okay, it has to be you know attractive like to attractive from his point of view. But what he told me was the top of his list was like you know is like you said having some common interests. Like he likes to, he's a foodie person, so he likes eating out. He likes restaurants. He likes um you know he he likes uh watching like netflix he watched you know he likes talking about the games industry so like for him his example he gave me was like his counter example was you know i i know like i gotta kill it early if like you know the other the other person is like a big hiker or a big you know they're into rock climbing he's never gonna do that you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so it's like so he doesn't mind maybe their hobbies are like you know they like board games i don't know if he plays board games but because that's something that's still like kind of like you know if we have a venn diagram it's still in you know it's still in a common-ish area but like something like drastic like you know that person surfs like it's not going to work for him because like he said they're going to want to it's a balance so you're going to want to they're going to want to do what they like to do and you're going to want to do what you like to do and if there's some overlap in terms of like function um you know then it's doable i think and like i think i mean his perspective was interesting because like he had a, like that kind of like like framing of like you know i could do you know to do to hijack their example i could do board games i can do you know you know this but i can't do you know, we got to go scuba dive, you know, like he's, that's not, it's not going to work out, you know? And like you said, yeah, he would be self-aware enough to know, like that's going to end up being a problem when he doesn't, can't do any of the things that that person wants to do. Right. 
Yeah, that's good. So, I mean, that's another healthy thing. You have to respect other people's boundaries. And at that point, you just act independently. But you realize that you're still in a relationship at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, the girl, if the girl loves scuba diving, she can fucking go scuba diving. The dude doesn't have to go. But then you just come right back into the relationship after you're done. Yeah. That kind of thing. Dude, I feel like, yeah, this is Venn diagram. The Venn diagram thing was a good analogy. You know, there's, you have to maintain, you know, independence while having some common ground. And both people will, both people, one, you know, both people should be self-aware to know where that, you know, boundary is and how far they're going to cross that boundary. And then the other person should respect, you know, how far they're willing to go. Yeah. I think that covered a lot of that, that question. And, uh, you know, we still got a little bit more to go. So let's get to the next one. So this okay. one, maybe, maybe this will be quick. We'll see. But so, uh, where do you see yourself in, uh, four years? Like if you were to fast forward in time, what's the picture, what's the, what's the picture of your life? That's tough, bro. Um, honestly, uh, what's the picture of my life in four years? I'll be 34. I want to have, you know, two rental properties at that time. Probably if I'm still working for the same company, then I'm going to be working remote, bro, for sure. Going to be working remote. And, you know, if it's still alive, right, I'm going to be working remote. <laughs> um. And I'm going to have a couple of rental properties. My Bitcoin's probably like at two mil, right? So probably have to choose whether or not to work or not. Um, and I guess, I guess the, uh, the real thing here is that I'm, you know, earning dollars, but spending in like whatever national currency that the country has. So there's like a net gain. I got you. Like you're getting paid in dollars, but you're using the... Like the Brazilian currency, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anything and, else? Uh, that I don't. Good? I don't think. No, nah, I don't think I'd have like a wife or anything at that point. No, nah, I'm kind of still traveling and like doing that kind of like unstable bachelor type lifestyle. Gotcha. Do you still see yourself in San Diego in four years? Like apartment wise, well, yeah. I mean, if my company's still here, then yeah, I'm still going to be in San Diego. But like I said, I'm remote. I guess. Do you see yourself like permanent, re- like permanent residence in San Diego, but going to other places, or do you see yourself in another? It's a good question. That's a great question. About this, about like lowering your tax burden, right? So, if you know, I become savvy enough on the tax law, then I'd want to have my like permanent residence right in a state like Tennessee or Wyoming or Florida or something like that where the state tax is almost zero right but I'm working remote in you know some other foreign country while getting paid in you know USD and spending in you know heist or something I gotcha yeah See, that was quick. I knew it would be quick. I think these last two are quick. So um, the last one I have before open discussion is, um, in your opinion, what's the meaning of life? Oh, this is going to be quick. This is going to be quick. This one's going to be quick. 
Uh, I don't know, bro. I mean, like you got to figure that out for yourself. Um, it could be different for every single person, right? Well, that's why Whether, I said in your opinion, what's, your, what's the meaning of life for you, I guess? Okay, no the meaning of life that's for me. Answer. Okay, let's make it. Let's make it a general, general statement. So it might work for everyone. Okay, so I guess the meaning of life is to figure out whatever it is that you want out of life. Okay, it could be, you know, becoming like the greatest bodybuilder of all time, right, or the greatest athlete of all time. Hopefully you have the body for that, like the natural body for that, just to start with. Okay. Like maybe, maybe you're like, you know, six, six and you can actually go be the greatest NBA player of all time. Right. Hopefully that works. Okay. Let's just say you have the prerequisite height and like athletic ability to, you know, make it to a certain point. Um, so figure it out, figure out what it is you want one and then figure out what it would take to get to that point right so you have to you know go to practice you have to make like 90% of your free throws you have to make 40% of your threes you have to make like 50% of your mid-range jumpers blah 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 and you kind of have to like work on each one of those aspects you know consistently like every single day in order to be you know the, the greatest of all time so I guess in, in general, figure out what it is you want and then figure out what it would take to get there and understand what you're giving up in the short term in order to get to where you want to be. And uh, have you ever read the book, like Think and Grow Rich? Probably no, I haven't not. read that one yet. No, you should probably read it. Um, it, it tells you, it kind of goes through the whole goal setting process. Um, so you should read it. And it's pretty much just, you know, very generalized, but I kind of summed it up. Just figure out what it is you want. I don't know, bro. I don't know what the meaning of life is. The meaning of what's your meaning of life. I think it's a, it's a hard question. I think right now where I'm at, I think the meaning of life is, is to kind of like it's multifaceted. I think one is to discover who you are because when we're, when we're young, we, you know, we don't understand the world or ourselves really, even though you know through life we learn that. Okay. Second, second is aligned with. Uh, second point is aligned with what you said. Like I do believe that what you should do, no matter if you're that like you got that genetic lottery to be an athlete or maybe that high IQ to be the next Hawkins, you maximize your talent. What I see a lot in the world right now is, especially in my work, I see a lot of people who they're okay with the bare minimum. They're okay with um, you know, just going with the flow or just, you know, enjoying the, like you said, the, the pleasures of life, right? Like food, wine, dance, which is fine. You should do that. But I think a lot of people, and I, and I think I love sports analogies, as you know, like, like it's the same thing with athletics, right? A lot of people don't maximize who they were, right? Sometimes that's bad luck. You know, they had an injury or they just had an addiction problem. But let's be honest, there's also a lot of people who, and I bet you've come across people the same, right? That like, they never maximize who they were. And maybe they don't see it that way, but you as an outsider, that's what you feel, right? And I think we can all do a better job being like, you know, a better friend, a better, you know, partner, a better investor or whatever that is, right? You can always like look to maximize what you, the abilities you were given. And I think third is to just 
Um, you know, I think like we focus a lot on achievements. I know I have, and and even like growing the pie. But I also think that we part of the reason we live is to um, is to you know what's the term I'm looking for. We are also like you know the friendships and the and the experiences we have is something that like only you have ever done or you know that into person that individual. And I think part of life is also going through that journey of life, like. You know, consciousness, being self-conscious, yes, has given us a lot of, you know, progress, you know, civilization, science, blah, blah, blah. But I think the other side of it is tackling your own self-doubt, right? Your own insecurities, your own faults. And, and I think that's also part of the meaning of life is going through that. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to face the mirror, right? They want to be numb with drugs or alcohol or meaningless sex or, you know, or even worse, right? Netflix, net video games, and like, you know, they just want to escape the world. And I think part of the meaning of life is to face it head on. And maybe you don't like what you see all the time, but you have to. You're not going to get anywhere by ignoring everything. I, I, I mean, that's it in a high level nutshell. But I think, I think, because well, for me, when I say that question, meaning of life, I mean, like, what do you think, like, everybody has to go through, even though they don't want to? And I think that's part of life, right? Like, there are things that, like, I know. I could never have avoided facing, but I, I either whether that was like now or ten years ago, but I had to go through that. And how you come out of that probably defines more who you are than um, than anything. Um, yeah, I like that you, second part. Yeah, 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 definitely that second part where you're like, you have to face the truth at some exactly. point. Exactly, can't yeah. just hide from it. It'll get you regardless. Eventually. Yeah, so it's better not to wait and just face it. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's that that last part was cool. Yeah. So the last the last thing is not really a question, but it's an open discussion. We have a little bit of time, I think, left. Even though we this is like the longest pod so far, but uh, basically anything you want to go back and revisit, or if there's new things that came out of our discussion that you want to talk about for a second, or if there's questions that are lingering now in your mind because of this discussion, like you know some ideation has occurred, you know, during our, our conversation, this is the time for that. Um, um, if there's questions specifically for me, I try to be as open as possible on this podcast, so that's also fair game. And okay. then, uh, then we wrap up, and then you know, I thank you for being on the podcast, and then that's it. All right, let's uh, go through the six questions again, but have you answer them as quickly as possible, other than the life one, because you already answered that. Oh, really? That's how we're going to do this? No unique questions that come out of your brain? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to those. I'll have follow-up questions as... Um, as we're going through. Fine. So the first one is, what piece of advice would I give to an 18-year-old version of myself? Yeah. Um, don't, self don't self-select yourself out. What does that mean? Uh, I'll give you an example. Often, I have just assumed, like, I'll have a few examples. I've just assumed that, like, I can't, I can't get this job because I'm not good enough. Or I can't. I don't, oh, okay. or I don't have a shot with this girl. Because <clears throat> why would she go for me? Or you know, can I really? You know, it's not like the imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is like you know you don't believe you belong there. But it's okay. kind of like before you even get to be an imposter, it's like you already self-selected yourself out, right? Okay, um, so let me ask you this as a follow-up question: How do you think you build someone's confidence to like kind of get over that kind of like insecurity? I think, unfortunately. It's tough because I think it's a, it's a process. I think like to get over that, you have to go through it. 
you have to go through it. I also think like, and this is something we don't do much anymore in society. I think if you just learned, if you learn and read a lot, you'll okay. come across like you know thinkers, philosophers, athletes that you can take stuff from them and realize that like it is okay. You maybe you're not performing like at a CEO or like you're not Stephen Hawking, but those like those attributes are like universal, right? Like you know the difference between maybe Aristotle and Jordan Peterson is maybe there are some differences, but let's say like there is some link between them, right? There is some common core, right? And yeah. it's because like, you know, what I realized in my 20s is that like the things that I'm going through, other people go through in their own ways. But also when I read old books, why I like old books is that you see that they also have the same kind of stuff. They didn't have technology. They didn't have like social media stuff, but they, they also had to deal with self-doubt, you know, confidence the meaning of life existential questions etc et what, kind of what kind of books are you reading here but i don't know just in general i mean you can read the classics like you can read plato and stuff but you can also read the bible i mean you can like, you well, just, what plato you know, what are you reading the allegory of the cave are you reading that's a like, good what? one that was a good one the republic is a good one uh you know uh you know excerpt like just all there's all the penguin classic where they take excerpts but i think that's uh-huh. something that i would i would have told it to answer your question or my own question uh, don't self-select yourself out. You know, yeah, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe you, you were right. Your intuition was right. You didn't have a shot at the job, at the school, getting to that school or whatever. But let go through that process. Cause you'll get you'll, be, you'll become better for it. Um, and then eventually okay. you'll learn how to you'll learn that that wasn't so bad. That it was just the moment in time that it passed. And you'll be able to bounce back and then improve. Right? You only really improve by feeling. Right? So. Okay. Um, let's see. Number two. Uh, well, number no, no, two I'm just gonna to say me. this right now. I feel like you're the smartest person in the room right now. Nah, don't worry. But number two doesn't apply to me, so I'm good. <laughs> what was number two? What was number two? The PhD specific question. Which was what? Like biggest surprise of going through that process, and was there any doubt you would ever get like you know finish that process? Well, what do you think would surprise someone in the PhD process? I didn't do the PhD program, so I cannot tell you that answer. Okay, sure. Um, All right, number three. It was the fraternity question. I'm not in a fraternity, so. What was number three? Tell me what number three was. Number three was as a fraternity member, what has been the positive? What has been the positive impact? All right, just from, just from what you know, what do you think would be a positive impact of joining opportunity? It's kind of like what we talked about in that question, right? Like the brotherhood, the you know the the friendship, you know, being able to talk and bounce ideas off other men, right? Men. I think maybe unlike women, we're not as emotional about things, so we don't really always talk about like the deeper questions sometimes. And I think having a, a good environment like that is good for guys. Not to get to become a sap, but like you know, like you, it's good to just talk about problems and situations and get an, an extra eye on the an extra eye on the ball, you know. Okay. Um, I think the negative is like yeah, it could become you can become a toxic culture, right? Like you're trying to like, you know, because men are also competitive, right? You're trying to outcompete each other, right? So like yeah. maybe you're, you're drinking too much, you're partying too much, you're trying to get with too many, you know, you're trying to get with the other guy's girl, you know, like it can get kind of gray area-ish. And I think when you're young, you don't have that like ability to balance that usually unless you're really like, you know, zen, you know? Okay. Um, I think that's that's one of the negatives. I think is that like, you can like lose focus, like you said, and also – you know, you can end up destroying good friendships because of, like, you know, the environment you're in, right? Because sometimes the, the environment you're in is conducive, right? It helps, not helps, it um, it gears you towards certain, like, you know, 
exposing certain traits or certain behaviors, right? Right. Environment uh, can, does have a factor in how we behave, right? So. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Before, uh, I don't know how that really applies to me. Like, I haven't really had that many, uh, if any, like, real long-term, multi-year relationships. But I will say, I guess the way answer number four for me would be, like, there are girls that I have, let's say, flirted with that I did it because, like, I... It goes back to the other thing. Instead of focusing on... It goes back to my first answer. Like, I self-selected myself out of the girls that I really wanted to approach. So I, I flirted with girls that I thought were, like, more in my league. And I okay. should never have had that mentality. And also those girls... How do I say this? Just because, like, they are not as, uh, let's say, good-looking or they're... Or let's say they, there's not something about them. Like, forget the looks. Let's say there's, a, uh, there's women that, like, you know, they have... You know, they're really friendly. They have a good career. They're really, like, you know outgoing or not going but like there's something about them i'm generalizing here but there's something about them okay like there's a lot of like i guess it's like how i say this like basically like you know every hat finds attractive what they find attractive but also maybe like like i said don't select yourself out and also i shouldn't have been like maybe flirting with people that like i had no intention of like really getting with um or um or maybe they were also like you know not good to just be around because I look back especially college and there's a lot of chicks that luckily I didn't get any complicated long-term relationship with but like I look back and I and I see because I see how their life has progressed with you know social media LinkedIn Facebook Instagram and yeah. I've seen like the men they've they've gone with and I, I kind of feel bad for the guys because like they didn't really evolve they they kind of stayed the same and they're they're kind of like, for instance, like, I, I was kind of flirting hard with this girl one year in college, and, like, I ended up, like, kind of, like, brushing her off. But okay. her revenge on me was basically circulating a rumor that I was a creeper, that I was a stalker and stuff. And if it wasn't for the fact that somebody who knows me really well that, you know, vouched for me, that could have stuck, dude. And I would have sucked. And yeah, so I guess, I mean, I guess, like, what I took away from that, good, like, that specific example, which is, I guess, the, the example I'm using for this uh, this question is like surround yourself with people and pursue people that you really think are going to be a good compliment or value add to your life. Like don't, don't like try to just go for it because you think you have a shot at them or that's your market. And, and also like, you know, don't make the assumption that girls that are not that good looking or they just have better personalities. That's maybe a big one too. Um, okay. their personalities are as bad as their looks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's, hey, that's all I got to say about that one. But like, yeah, I mean, that was. Um, I'm, I'm actually. I never. I don't talk to the guy anymore. But I'm actually still very thankful that uh, he did that. Um, because you know how it is, especially now that's gone a little bit worse. Like, they don't tend to believe the guy, right? If that's right. the case, you know. Um, let's see. Right. Where I see yeah. myself in four years. Um, in my career, I see myself either as a. Principal engineer or CTO. Um, I see myself as an investor, not not set of crypto and equities, maybe real estate, um, and maybe even a company. We'll see. And uh, and I guess in my personal life, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I really see myself married, but I do see myself more settled down. But I don't know what that looks like yet. So I have to see how that process goes. Um, okay. the meaning of life and uh, yeah then we're back to open discussion so that was quick
Is there any other real quick, that, uh, dude? Or any, yeah. Or any, or any let's let's go ahead and let's start, go ahead and talk about your life. What made you want to be a computer science major? Yeah. So that that story is one that I've, I've recanted a bunch to, I guess, other software engineers because they ask about that usually. And I think it started with like just visiting my uncle. So when my parents divorced, my dad was living with uh, my aunt in Gilroy, and my uncle, the one that married in, married my aunt, was a um, he was a computer engineer. So whenever I would go on the weekends, like I would play video games like Diablo, Age of Empires, StarCraft. But he also was the one that showed me like what's inside a computer, right? Like what's a motherboard? How do you build a computer? Like what's why computing is important? And that fascination led me to think that I wanted to be a video game developer. Um, and so that's how I got into like um, learning more about computing and stuff. And then in high school, uh, my Windows PC kind of blew up on me, and I didn't have money to get a PC, so I mean, a, a new Windows copy, so I ended up um, installing Linux the first time ever, uh-huh. and then I, I, ended up re- I ended up doing Terminal and a lot of stuff on that, and then I just took like some like online YouTube tutorials, and in college I took computer science, but yeah, it's like, um, it was never like, like even though I was really interested in finance, and I was, you know, as a youngster, because like I got a bank account at like age 10, um, it was wow. always like, that was it was always like something that like um like i would I, I enjoy that so i've always not talked about it but like you know my passion was always like to be like in the science realm in a sense whether that was like i mean i mean when i was really young i thought i was going to be like an astronaut but um nice. also one other moment really crystallized for me um when uh, i don't know if you remember but when uh tesla came to midi to show off the the roaster that was a moment where I wanted, I knew I wanted to be an engineer because I wanted to build things. I wanted to push the limits of our imagination. Now, I don't think I'm doing that per se now, but in many ways, like I enjoy it. Cause the thing with like, at least with coding, it is a very, it is a di- hard discipline in the sense that like you could be failing like your tests. Like let's, for instance, like let's say this test is failing, uh, this unit test or this piece of code is failing. It could take days to figure it out. And so you have, to, it's like solving a math problem. Like you have to really like, have patience, keep looking at the problem at different angles. I mean, it's similar at probably in your field too. Like it's not, the answer might not be apparent until you go through the failures, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's also time pressures of delivering. But yeah, when Tesla came to MIDI, um, that was also a moment of like, I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be in this, in this tech field. Um, and it's true. Like I met people who like just get into the field cause like good career and like they want stability but I never thought I would be ever doing anything else other than this. Um, and I don't know when I, what the next phase of my career looks like. But, you know, I, I recently watched a documentary about this failed company of the, in, the nine, in the 90s in the Silicon Valley um, that was uh, trying to build a cell phone before there was the capability to build cell phones. Uh-huh. And, I don't know, that documentary really resonated with me because you see that these people failed, even though they were right, right? We have cell phones, right? Yeah, but the timing was wrong, and they just couldn't they couldn't figure it out. But the desire, the dedication, you know, the willingness to think of the future. Because there's so many people that say like, "No, this is dumb," right? Oh, be realistic. I think that's one of the worst advice you can give to people. Be realistic. I'm not saying like, you know, to clarify, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not a big dude, right? So I'm not going to be in the NBA. But like, I think we're our society is too cynical. Like. What does that mean? Be realistic. Like, oh, like, you know, like, you know, you hear all the critics of crypto, right? Oh, crypto stupid. It's a scam. It's all this, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And I go like, okay, every time the prices drop, 
it has somewhat bounced back. Like, if it was truly, you know, how come nobody's hacked it, right? How come nobody's, like, destroyed it yet? Like, you keep saying, like, it's, it's I'm not saying it's maybe it will never be worth $5 million or whatever, but, but I think in general, in life, we're told often, stay, stay in your lane. You know, this is the limit. And I think you don't know how big the possibility of your life can be if you don't have the dreams, right? And, like, yeah. even though they failed and, you know, time proved them right, you know... You know th- that it just really like even even I, I even got a little emotional watching it because I was like this is something that really resonates with me because even though they failed they dream big and that's like maybe the thing that's the criminal thing not to do is to dream big to not just go for it and interesting look, and also look what's interesting about that documentary is that the guy that I was one of the key engineers that built the iPhone and the guy that uh, invented Android they they were at that company they were just young engineers that would take some of those ideas. Let, you know, let the technology catch up, and then, the, you know, Android and uh, iOS and Apple and the iPhone are huge products, right? Yeah. And I think that shows me that, like, even though you fail this endeavor, you know, those dreams, if they're possible at all, and, like, if you could, you know, you, you know, you really, like, dedicate yourself, like, you know, you don't know how close you're going to get, right? You know, and they, that, not only did they get close, they did it, right? It just took yeah, did 15 it. years, it took 20 years later, right? Mm-hmm. I think this company, like, started in 91 and folded in 94, um, and then the iPhone came out oh six oh seven, so it took a, mo- a minute, but we got there eventually, right? And I think yeah, what, whatever happens with crypto, metaverse, and that's just my concrete example. But I think you can even use this with like your life, right? Like, you know, you wanted to be, let's say, you're somebody that wanted to be like a painter. Maybe you're not, you know, Picasso, but maybe you have a little Etsy business. Like, you don't really know. And I think our society, you know, and I know it's a fine line because I know I hear people that are like, oh, I want like, you know. I want an Instagram model, but like I'm still living in my mother's basement, right? Like, okay, that's like an extreme example of like you gotta learn to be realistic. But I mean, I meant in the sense of like if you have dreams and you work for them and you bet on your, yourself, like don't don't just discount, don't listen to the critics and say like, oh, you can't do this, it's tough, you know? She's out of your okay. league, you know, or or like that kind of stuff, or you know, you can't get into this company, you're not good enough, you know, or you're not, you know, are you sure you want to start your own business? Is it really gonna work? Like, that's the thing I'm talking about. I was like, don't. There's a lot of noise. A lot of people just want to, like, you know, put you down. You just got to respond and, 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 and tune it out, you know? Okay. Yeah. See, for some reason, I feel like you said you should have my roommate on your podcast. One, he's trying to get into computer science. Two, he's like, I'm going to quote, unquote, call him the uh, bit slap back to reality that people might need when they're following their dreams. So, so you, I don't know, man. You talk about, oh yeah, put on yourself, blah blah blah, and he's like, nah, dude, just do the most conventional thing out there, and you'll be successful. Doesn't matter. Oh well, I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody has their own life perspective. I'm not, I'm not saying mine is always right. I think it work. Everybody has their own system that works for them. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't have got where I am if I just followed the conventional path, right? Right. Like. And I wouldn't have had interesting life experiences or a way of thinking if I just followed the, the, the because it, it goes back to my earlier point, right? Most people, it's true, they wanna, they just wanna like go through the path of leaf resistance, right? They just wanna get that job, get that money, retire, and like you know have a couple kids and like a house, and then, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's fine. I'm just saying like if if you have certain hobbies or dreams, don't just destroy them because like oh it's dumb, you know? Like yeah. I'm not saying it has to be your you know the way that you make money or survive in our modern society but it doesn't also have to it doesn't have to be all or nothing you know it could just be something that you still have a passion for like look 
I pick up skateboard. I'm not trying to be pro, but like, you know, I, I enjoy doing it as a form of exercise. And yeah. actually, it's, it's teaching me how like you can try something a thousand times and only land it once. But that feeling is amazing when you land it once. And it it's, it's it, it can teach somebody like to be resilient and like to keep you know to keep like going for it. You know, um, and I think uh, and I think that's something that's valuable. I think I I just think maybe it's also the product of our times. Like it's it's just like it's so easy to just you know, dismiss people. Like, we, our society, unfortunately, disposes people too quickly, right? Oh, you're not useful to me. You know, you're not helping my career move up. You're not helping, you know, you're not, you're not this, you know, giga chat or whatever, you know, you're not Andrew Tate, as I say. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's kind of like my thing on that one. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, I don't know if I have your roommate on. Like, this is a, so far it's a curated list, but, you know, if I, if he needs to talk to somebody, he let me know. Oh, it's a curated list. Who's on the list? Well, what's uh, I don't want to tip my hand. Maybe uh, I mean I'll okay. edit this part. Can, can we officially? You want any more questions? I mean, I'll answer this, but like I'll probably edit this part. I want to answer your question. But is there any other questions before that question that you want before I say this is the end of the taping? I mean, and we can I'll, edit this part out. That's fine. But I got I can ask more questions. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's easier for me to edit if like it's at the, the end. The, yeah, it's at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's go back to this whole like mind, this whole like mindset thing. Um. How do you, I guess, how do you change, you know, people from having a, I want something handed to me type thing that you mentioned earlier and switch them over to, I want to earn something. That's tough because I've tried that many times uh, with people and it doesn't, I will say this, it's easier to influence that when they're younger. So if you're a, if you're a teacher, you're a mentor early in a, a person's career, let's say under the age of 24, okay. um, it's easier to nudge in that direction. Um, one of the more enjoyable experiences I had was when I was still at my previous job and I got to mold a very young team. They're all fresh graduates because they basically listened to me like no other. And I didn't, I was, you know, I wasn't as wise as I am now, but I hope they learn like some of the key lessons that I gave them, um, which is not just like tech, but it's like care about quality about the product improve the code where you can keep iterating keep trying um because i work with people now that honestly they're mediocre i'm gonna be honest they do minimum it just functions whatever there's no willingness to improve things and it drives me nuts and actually it might be the reason i leave eventually interesting Um, i i don't i don't cope well with that because i know we can do better and then I hated when, like you mentioned earlier, when my manager, my ex-manager was like, oh, you know, you worship hustle culture. You know, some people just want to have a good life, relaxing, and just have, like, you know, that work-life balance. I hate the term work-life balance. Are you in? Are you, are you, in or are you out? Like, I'm sorry. Like, like think about, like, okay, this is a corporate job, right? And I get it. You could be fine, right? But if you, let's say you're a sports fan or you're, like, a fan of a team. Or let's okay. say you're a fan of a golfer who said, oh, I, you know what? I need work-life balance. So, like, I don't really care okay. that much. Like we, the ESK would rip that guy, right? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't practice. I don't improve. Yeah, you're out of the league. Well, it's like AI. Oh. AI said that, right? He's like, you talking about practice? Yeah, exactly. So it's like it drives me nuts because like we'll have certain standards for other people in our society, and we don't hold uh-huh. the same standards for ourselves, right? I'm not uh-huh. a big believer in that. Like I, I don't, I've never, I've always said this to my team. I've never asked from somebody else. I wouldn't demand for myself, um, and that's still bugs people because I demand a lot from myself 
Okay. Um, even if it's rec sports, you know, I had a terrible week at kickball the other week. I dropped the ball like four times, and people were like, oh, it's just a game. I'm like, yeah, I'm not yelling at my teammates. I'm not saying that, you know, you got to win and being a D-bag. But for yeah. myself, like, I hold myself to a standard where, like, I want to play well every time I'm out there, and it didn't yeah. happen. And, and that's on me, and I'm, you know, right. frustrated by that. I'm not, I'm not saying dude, that's on you. You're the dude uh, that know. broke your ribs trying to catch a ball. Yeah. And, gotcha. And I think, like, uh, yeah, I did that too. Um <laughs> But, like, uh, but like same thing with volleyball. Like, I was frustrated this season because, like, you know, I tried my best, but, like, you know, the team just underperformed. And I think it was also because of a – I get having fun. I know it's just red sports, and I know that it's for the social aspect and, you know, stuff like that. But I can't hide the competitor. I mean, and, and, and it's the same thing about workplace, right? Like, I just can't switch it off. Like, I just don't like when people aren't all the way in. Like, I have – I mean, I, I don't want to go into more details, but there's just – I just know people that, like, if they can – if nobody calls them out, they will do their work until the deadline. Like they will pretend they're doing their same item until the deadline is there. It just okay. it's just too much. Instead of saying like, "Oh, I'm done with this. Give me the next next task up," you know, it's like, "Oh, nobody's calling me out, so I'm gonna milk this for the next three days." I'm like, "Oh man," and 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 I, and I know how much people are paid as engineers. It just that's let me ask you this. Job. Let me ask you this. Okay, sure. so if someone's hitting these deadlines, right? So okay, this just goes into my next question. So I'm at I'm at a job now, right? And my manager presented a a you know an idea I haven't heard of before, and uh, it's not science based, okay? It's definitely kind of like social based, okay? And you maybe have experience with managing people, so she's like, the question is, how do you make the work environment more attractive or like make someone want to work, right? One or there's probably multiple options here, but the things that she said are one, make the actual environment more attractive, i.e., you know, have food or lunches brought in or, you know, make the, the people that surround, let's say me more, you know, enjoyable. Right. Mm. Or two, pay the person more. Okay. So if this person's, hitting, you know, the deadlines and exceeding any sort of, you know, tangible metric that you set for them, right? What would you say is your, the way you're going down? Well, what would you rather do? Give them more money or would you no, yeah. or do something else? Yeah. yeah. Look, the food one was terrible. Actually, this, this is her manager. First of all, that's a terrible take. Anyway, so basically, <laughs> this is why I, I actually want to test my theories out because I think this is the reason why I think people interview, you know, sports coaches and stuff because, like, high-performance teams, and that's why yeah. I, lo- I love listening to the high-performance podcast. It's, it's really hard to do that. And from my understanding, I think high-performance on a team level, not individual, at a team level, and Jocko Willock talks about it too, it's like, it's a culture, right? If you create a culture where the, the environment is the standard, people who, even if they're like, let's say they're predisposed to, you know, mailing it in, they will feel that pressure, that social pressure, or they'll be out. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are just weak-willed, and it's, it's the, as one person would say, the coddling of the American uh, mind and, and the social, or our society that, you know, we have to have perks, we have to have, you know, uh, more money, all we'll motivate with more money. Some people don't get motivated by more money, but I'll tell you this, they'll get motivated if they're called out, like, you know, one-on-one saying like, Hey, you know, you got to step up, you know, like you, I, it's the old school, like 
Theodore Roosevelt, right? You have the carrot and the stick, right? You either say, like, if you're a high performer, you know, you get X, Y, Z, these perks, and, you know, this person, uh, other people want those perks too, so there's a competition for that. Or it's the stick where you say, look, if you're not performing, you're out. And I know, like, our society, that's ruthless, but that's how we kind of function anyways, right? Like, like a company will cut you if they have to, right? A team mm-hmm. will cut you if they have to. It's like we pretend otherwise, but that's the reality. Until our society changes, like, that's, like, something that, like, we just we just don't, like, going back to facing the truth, we just don't want to face that truth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if somebody can get, like, a, you know, a, uh, you know something m- more for themselves, they usually do that. Now, um, I think what has happened to a lot of people, too, is that they're never, you know, they just, they've always kind of, like, failed up. So I'm also a big believer, not, well, big believer, I hate this, but, like, I think this happens a lot. People fail up until they're incompetent, right? So, like, they could, like, you know, be okay at this job. Let's say it's, like, a bank manager, and then they get promoted. Because people often just get promoted because they've just been there. Oh, it's the next thing, you know? It's, like, um... Yeah, I will say this. In my career, I can I can name you the people like on my hand who have been, who have really impressed me. Most people are not that impressive, and that's also been eye opening to me. That like, you know, we think of the big names of these companies, but honestly, the quality of the person is irregardless of where they work and stuff. It's how they work, how they do stuff, how they carry themselves. So, um, but yeah, okay. that's how I answer the question. Yeah. Okay, but let's just say you listen to all the high performance podcasts, so it's already like you're coming into a culture of you know, success. And it's like, if you're not performing the way that you're supposed to, then you're done. Right. Let's just say you're coming into a normal environment, bro. Like what do you do to motivate someone? Yeah. There's obviously social pressures. Sure. Social pressures. Sure. Okay. But let's say you're not, you're not at Illumina. Let's say you're not at Illumina. Okay. Let's say you're at some other Illumina competitor. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Make them, make them the, uh, to make them want to work. This is no. This is where it's, this is the hardest part about team building, right? Because then it comes back to I hate saying recruiter terms, but it comes back to recruitment. You gotta identify the talent. So if you're a hiring manager or you're a manager, you gotta identify the talent that will build a team that will be high performing. Okay. And you have to because I think in the end, yeah, you can yell, you can scream, you can throw money, but those people have to want it. You know. Okay. Those people have to really want it too, and I think. You know, you have to find people who want to put in the ships into like get get what get there, because like having been on many teams now, I can tell you like not all teams function the same. Some teams just value like you know being friendly with each other. Other teams value performance, and I think it's it comes down to people. I think it's a cliche, but it comes down to people. And so the hardest part about building a team and environment is identifying the people that will because. In the end, your best ambassadors are not going to be yourself. It's going to be your the, your lieutenants, your subordinates, right? Like those people are part of the, the the culture too, right? And it's why also why it's hard to sustain, right? Like if it was easy, everybody could like you know build do it. I think it's a hard problem, and I think that's why there's this fascination in not just our society, but also like in Europe, or like you know when they ask like you know how did these how did Alex Ferguson do it and stuff like that is because it is hard to do. Is a hard, it's one of those hard problems, right? Because it's a, it's more of a human problem, mm-hmm. and and I think that's why, and that's I think also why that those podcasts are important, like the, not important, but like they're popular too, because people are fascinated. Like, 
how did you get that performance out of a person out of how because sometimes it's just their life story right they're, they're high performance because of their life story too and so it's about identifying that and building that environment and it's it's tough i would say like if you hire like the wrong people it doesn't okay. matter what perks or whatever it's never going to improve it's about right. the people in the end yeah let me ask you this more like direct kind of question how do you think the Warriors brought Andrew Wiggins back from his kind of not so great slump, but being like number two draft pick? I think honestly, and I don't, I don't follow the Warriors that closely, but uh, I, I suspect that what happened was they told Andrew Wiggins, like, look, you're maybe not worth the two pick. I mean, maybe not Tom, but like, I think that's how it was probably phrasing him mentally. But we know that there's a player there, right? There was a reason you were scouted highly. There's a reason why, like, people say you got talent. If you just focus on – and maybe they, you know, they did a mixtape and they showed them, like, if you just focus on, you know, X, Y, Z, you're going to help us win a championship because we have Kerr, we have Clay, And I think it goes back to, like, those simple concepts of, like, control what you can control, improve where you can improve, and do your job. Right? Honestly, like, a lot of people, they they don't follow those standards, right? And I think that's what they do with Andrew Wiggins. They say, like, they tell them, like, look – you know, we know you're not going to be LeBron, but there's a player in there, and you could help us win a championship. And that's how he recovered, probably psychologically and confidence-wise. And that's it. Sometimes that's what people need to hear, right? They just need to hear, like, if you know, you're a smart dude. If you just tweak these things, you're going to take your thing to the next level, right? Because people, like, you, they, like, remember when, I went early, when I, early I said like, everybody views their, the hero of their stories themselves? Is that yeah. everybody sees their story and they like, you know, they, they kind of like get lost in the noise. But if you just focus on where you're at and just trying to just be a bit better every day, or again, I'm going to use the cliche every day, then like you will, at least in your mental framework, you'll get there. And you'll be able to then like surprise yourself. And I bet you he surprised himself with some of those big performances in the finals. But to your mm-hmm. point, right, his career was down the toilet. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you need that arm on the shoulder to be like, no, I know there's a player in there. And I know like if you just did. Instead of saying how bad somebody is, it's like, it's like the positive reinforcement, right? Like, if you just do, you know, A, B, C, you're going to get here. And he probably did that, you know, and he, and he did get there. Like, it, it's like, it's always nuanced, right? Like, sometimes people need that that arm on the shoulder. And then other people who are, like, you know, maybe lack motivation, they need okay. that, that stick, you know? Like, hey, you're not all that great. you got to keep pushing, you know? Don't think you've arrived, you know, just because you won a few games, you know? Right. Um, and that's why uh, I remember I listened to Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach. He said, like, the reason he's paid big bucks is because of those kind of problems, not coaching them up on, like, how to do press coverage or, like, how to intercept the football. It's, like, getting them to get mentally there where, like, they're, they're maximizing their limits. Because some guys are not, not going to be, like, pro bowlers. But a lot of guys can be really solid players if they just maximize their abilities, you know, to, the, to their talent level, you know. And, and he said that often people don't because of psychological problems or confidence issues, et cetera, et cetera. So. Interesting. Um, there was another question I was going to ask. So you were talking about surrounding yourself with, with people that are like at the point where you want to be, right? And they will bring you up, right? So let's talk about, uh, for example, you know, like Gary Payton II, right? Coming out of the, what is it, the G League, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, who's the who's the dude that um, hit those really long threes? I Not Steph, the other guy. Not Clay either, right? It was a. Uh... 
I think I, I'm gonna. If you say the name, I don't remember, but I can't remember. It's the dude that you know. He's 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 the dude. Like I can't remember his name right now, but he hit like two back to back really long threes in like game three or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't recall. But anyways, continue okay. So so here's my point. Here's my point. So those two obviously like rose up to the occasion, right? So they were surrounded by you know good good players on the Warriors, right? And uh, let's talk about people that go play with LeBron, right? LeBron's obviously great. Do people like do people enjoy playing with LeBron? Does LeBron bring people up? I think he does with his play. But to your point, what you're getting at is like I think the difference is that on the Warriors, people there's a brotherhood, right? There is a there is an empathy for each other, and they I think I bet if you ask many Warriors players, they want to win because they want to win for each other. Unfortunately, I think LeBron wants to win for himself. And okay. legacy, and I think if you're unless you're LeBron's friend and you want him to get that legacy, it's hard as a normal dude to be like oh, Jordan Poole. Really, uh, Jordan yeah, Poole was his name. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds familiar. Like, yeah, Jordan Poole. Like it's hard for people to want to like do that, right? And let's remove Vassal, right? Like let's say you're in a team environment at your company that you believe in the company's mission, you believe in your teammates, you really respect their, you know, their friend, like you know, borderline coworker friends with you. You're gonna want to do well for them. But if you feel disassociated, you don't, you don't, you're just thinking like, I just need a paycheck. I don't care. That's going to be a totally different environment, right? I think that's the answer to your question: is that you have to build an environment where people are, they really believe in each other, believe in the goal, and more importantly, they, they feel empathy for their their, their peer, and not like, oh, like this is the a guy. Okay. Got it. Got the gel well with the rest of the team. That it's important. That's important. The empathy. Like you have to really care for the, for each other and for the. Because I bet you those Warrior players, they do care for each other and they care for Kerr and they care for winning a championship. And that's the goal, right? That's the goal is to win a championship. But um, I think they do care for each other. I, I don't think a lot of teams have that sometimes, especially if it's a mercenary team, right? They don't. They don't. They're not gonna. Because if you care for the other person, you'll have their back, right? You'll you'll you know you'll take that risk. You know you'll try harder. You know you'll you'll give it everything. You know. Mhm. Got it. Got it. Mm, I feel like there was another question I was going to ask, but I kind of just forgot it when you were saying that last sentence. All right. Well, we're almost uh, taping time. We're way, way over. So uh, I will, I'll answer your other question about the guests, but uh, I'll say like, so I can, I can, I'm not going to mark it here. So this is the end of the episode four. Longest podcast episode yet, but a pretty good one. 